Um, so the 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 pre-recorded announcement pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law and the governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the Medford Community Preservation Committee will be conducted by a remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. So that completed. Um, we can begin our agenda. We don't have any members of the public here for public comment. So we can move on to approval of the minutes from our August 4th meeting. So I sent Danielle an update, um, just that um, in the section where we were talking about the Condon Shell, I volunteered to reach out to the Medford Arts Council to let them know that they can start the proceedings to replace the mural. So I did that. I have not heard back from them. And um, I think Danielle was going to add that to the minutes. Other than that, they looked fine. Thanks. Make a motion to accept. A second. All in As favor amended. by roll call. Um, <coughs> um, by roll call. Um, I'll I'll call your name, Christy. Yes. Doug. Yes. Mike. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mike Cunio. <laughs> you can't yeah. see who I'm looking at. <laughs> Joan. <laughs> yes. Heidi. Yes. Mike Lewis. Yes. All in favor. All Aye. right. Aye. And um, so the, the next item on our agenda is a report on the received eligibility determination forms. I am going to pull up the summary, which I sent to you earlier today. Um, so that we can talk about these as a group and bring up some additional comments or concerns if we have. Can you all see this? Am I showing the right document on my screen? Yes. Great. Are um, you trying to show the one with the pie chart? Is it below? Yes, it has a pie chart. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, so the, the the overall summary is at the bottom and the details of the projects that have submitted EDFs is at the top of the screen. So we could start with the overall summary. So we've received eligibility determination forms for what, 21 projects. And 
the of these 20 of them were deemed to be eligible perhaps with some um further um research actually 19 of them um one of them i included but i should have we determined that we would prefer to do this in-house rather than, and it wouldn't be eligible for program funding anyway. That was the historic commission study for grant program. So I'm gonna actually take this out of the total and call it not eligible. Okay, um, so there were 19 eligible projects and of the eligible projects, we have um, over half are in the recreation category. And uh, then in addition to that, there's some open space and recreation projects combined. So that would make it 60, what, 63% are, entirely open space and recreation and an additional 12% are is a project that combines open space and historic preservation leaning more toward the historic preservation side in this space um, and we have affordable housing projects totaling 13% of the pie so this just gives us a you know obviously like the, the, the biggest picture concern is that we have not including the housing reserve about 1.6 some million dollars cpa funds available next year um, that's our, our estimate at the beginning of this cycle and so the projects that have requested uh, um, to enter the pipeline would total over nine hundred thousand dollars more than the funds available so we need to um, think about what message we'd like to give back to the applicants to help them um, discern how much effort they want to put into the application process, being that it's going to be a competitive process. And what are, you know, what is it that they want to consider as they fill out applications for this you know what are we like perhaps we can think ahead of time what are we going to emphasize um, that we want to see the applicants address so in general when like the Somerville Community Corporation came to us in the first or second round with um, a big application we had asked them to consider breaking it up into over different you know years which they mm -hmm. did so that's one option, mm -hmm. depending on what the project is. That's a great point. And some of these might lend themselves. To breaking up over different years. I mean, <clears throat> part of me says um, we need to obviously go back to the, the plan and look at what our priorities were. And I would probably balance that against the categories that have already received funding, you know, try to get funding to the categories that haven't received as much over the past couple of years and see Absolutely. how that looks at. Yeah. 
Um, that's something that I had actually wanted to look at in advance and dropped off my agenda today was I, I believe that our 2019 report mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> has a pie chart showing the proportion of funds that went into each program area. I'm just going to pull that up quickly from our website. From our website, Community Preservation Plan 2019 CPA Annual Report. And it shows the activity summary. Is this just last year? So last year, this is just last year, not all of the funding cycles. We should do this for all of the funding cycles. Mm -hmm. um, housing, uh, historic preservation took up nearly half of the budget last year. So at least in the last funding round, um, the balance was kind of opposite what we're seeing now. In fact, last funding round, we almost didn't have, we had maybe one um, recreation project or that we had the schools. That was it. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any public recreation projects. So if we look at the whole scheme, what we're looking at this year may be um, maintaining a balance, but that is something that we could bring into consideration. Can I ask, since I'm the newer person here, when I see a lot of uh, the applications for recreational space, it appears that a lot of this, you know, is city parks and you know tennis courts and basketball courts do we know what the city's budget is and their responsibility for funding and maintaining and upkeeping these <clears throat> or i mean it is some of this just sort of a default to the cpa funds Sorry if it's a little controversial of a question <laughs> but i just think we have to yeah. No, ahead, Mike. Someone, <laughs> so, no, no, no. So, someone from the public brought that up too. Like, it was great to have all these parks, but then it's like a question of maintenance and like the staff and whether some of these are benign neglect. For, and, and it's not anyone's fault. It's just, no, you know, there's but, limited resources over there. Right. I think there's just limited resources. So, so it's always worrisome when, you know, when we have at least, I don't know, five or six parks and it's like, well, you know, I'm open to some of them. I probably, you know, wouldn't do all of them. Do you know what right. I mean? They have to kind of prioritize. For, for me, for me, they, they have to prioritize. Um, right. the, the, the way, um, like the Brooks Estates is prioritized. You know what I mean? Like they, yes. they didn't come That's in and, and, and do, do everything. Like they've, they've done, okay, we're going to do this, 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 you know, they've, they've done it systematically and there's a reason. I think I would say the same thing to the to parks. We're open to it. I would just think they need to prioritize, mm -hmm. you know, the top two or three that would be my two cents yeah i mean i don't no, we don't want to see these things in disrepair but you know as i'm just you know as other people who are tax paying citizens they may say well what are my tax other tax dollars paying for you know not to be insensitive but at the same time you know, we understand that they have limited resources and we don't want to see them not repaired, but I just, I, yeah, I think we just have to find a balance of what's really priority. And Mike, do, do you have a sense of, of, of priorities, Mike, your understanding of, of the proposals? Mike Kuno? 
Yes, and I, I think it, it, I think we're all talking about the same thing of being more of a capital improvement. We don't want to be the capital improvement arm of the city of Medford. Right. And, and I think that's what a lot of people are, are griping and groaning about when they see what we're doing. And, yeah, again, I don't want to become the capital improvement arm of the city of Medford for, for all the parks. And, again, we can't even do the maintenance from our budget. Right. I mean, what has, happened, what has happened is, you know, we're not supposed to spend any CPA funding on repairs. Yep. And for the most part, some of these um, parks have fallen into such disrepair that a total rehabilitation is warranted, which rehabilitation is, you know, covered under CPA funding. So that's where the, and, you know, as a taxpayer myself, I have the same <laughs> question as you do, Christy, you know, um, you know. Yep. Joan, Joan, on the historic mission, we have a we have a phrase for that. It's called demo by neglect. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> and some of these parks, you know, we haven't even touched upon some of the larger parks and what their needs are going to be. And some of them have uh, irrigation. Some of them have multiple uh, play areas, yeah. multiple uh, diamonds for baseball and softball. So we haven't even gone to those parks. We, Harris Park is relatively a small park. And we only did that because there was a uh, a grant to upgrade the upgrade the playground, and we never did the rest of the park. So mm -hmm. we only did the playground, the water the water area, and the rest of the park has not been touched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a way to prioritize then um, ones that there's already been a significant amount of investment in. Sorry, my kid's playing in the background. Yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> If there are any on this list, and then trying to see those phases of work completed, or is there like um, an understanding of how much money has been invested in certain open space and recreation space in certain areas of Medford that maybe we need to diversify the funds to other areas of Medford and make keep it, you know, equitable? I, I don't know if that's the way to look at it. It sounds like some are in really tough shape, and there's some that could potentially be safety issues. But um. well, again, I think we're at the point where the words are prioritized. We also need to uh, be a little bit more picky on what we're looking to do with that, and also uh, the, the the funding. Uh, again, as you said, see what part of the city that we need to put a little bit more money in compared to other parts of the city. I mean, place that park. It looks good. It hasn't been used. A lot of these parks haven't been used because of COVID. And now they're starting to be used a little bit more, but nothing's been done other than cut the grass and, and, and water. And that's about it. So there has to be a little bit more from the parks department, but that's a whole other issue. But again, prioritize and, and see what we, where we need to spend the money in this city. A suggestion that I wanted to put out there um, to... Uh, for the parks department would be to ask them to have a, a public meeting that would talk about all of these parks that that they have in their um, that, that, that they're the primary applicant for and um, this could be done perhaps in conjunction with the with OCD so that there could be some public input. For example, replacing the playground surface at Tufts, Capon, and Cummings Parks. 
um, how do people feel about replacing the playground surface at those parks? Would they want to provide some some public input before something like that is undertaken with CPA funds? And would the public want to provide some input in prioritizing which of these parks across the city are most in need of getting in front of the line right now? Right. Um, <coughs> considering the fact that we yeah, considering the fact that we can't fund every project this year. Yes. And even if we take the parks department projects aside, if we go down to the unique applicants, um, we have open space um, proposals from the library, the historical commission, the um, office of community development and the housing authority. So those are all open space and recreation projects. So that really, so um, putting it into perspective, the um, the parks department project is equivalent. So the parks department has about $450,000 worth of projects on this list. And the Office of Community Development Wellington Connector alone is 415,000 and that would according to our plan that would qualify as a is a high priority and that's a project for which a lot of funding has already been brought to the table right so you know like these are some things that we might want to take into consideration but uh, you know not to knock on the parks department i think it would be helpful to get some public input in prioritizing which of the projects are are most important for them this year I think they've only come across from the city side with they've had a grant to help out or assist with the grant money. Uh, I don't have, yeah. I don't see anything else coming just, just right now with the way the spending's coming from the federal government, the state. I don't see it happening for parks at this point in time. Yeah. And I mean, this, this chart we have here kind of underscores the need for funding for the parks because you know, I go by Dover Park all the time and the tennis courts are, you know, just lined with grass everywhere going through it. So I, I see the problem. Um, and it's um, the, these these are important projects to be carried out, but we need to look at where the funding is going to come from to do it, because obviously CPA isn't enough money to be able to put toward the need. That has to be a cap. A part of the open space plan, capital improvements. Again, bear in mind, there's over 30 plus passive and active parks in the city of Metford. I think the last count yeah. was 35 or 36. So there's quite a few parks out there. We're talking anywhere from uh, a small quarter of an acre up to multiple acres like Car Park or Playstead or even Tufts for that matter. So it does. It could add up. Yeah. Yeah, Roberta, what I would add to your request about having the public meeting, which I think is a great idea, is, and echoing what Christy said, is to get a little context here. Give us the last five years of their budget, what parks they've done, where this fits in. You know, if it's a half million dollars or 450, is that replace? Is that just simply a budget replacement or are they trying to do more? That's the questions we've always asked on individual, because we've always given, given money to the parks department, you know, in, in previous application, we tried to be, I mean, they were the first ones we ever funded. 
that we all took that photo in front of a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. You know, sorry about that, Mike. You know, uh, thanks for joining us, Mike. With the spirit money, that really funded half the park. And by the time we're done, the whole park wasn't done. So again, we're we're at a loss. We can't fund the parks. We can't do all, all of them. So we do have to pick and choose where we're going to go. Like Roberta said, certain parts of certain playgrounds that really need it, we need to put our efforts and focus on those. Right, but on other other entities that have come before us, we have asked for what is the master plan? What is the bigger vision? What's the long term plan? I, you know, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I think we need to apply that discipline to the city too and saying, we're going to help you with as much of this as we can, but tell us, give us the five-year plan, give us the capital budget, give us the plan to do all the parks, not just whatever comes up that year. You know, it's, I want to see a larger plan and how this fits in. I have yet to see a budget for what, other than maintenance for the parks, I've not seen any capital improvement for parks until they get some kind of grant money to help help out with the situation then they come to us so i mean i can make that request at the next meeting which we have coming up next tuesday and we can send a letter and see if we can get a, re a response and then at our next meeting i'll uh, see what the response is and bring it to the to our to our meeting at the cpc Um, one other thing, I, I don't want to cut short any discussion about the parks department or recreation projects. That's the first thing that just jumps out at us when we, when we look at this list of applications. Um, are, are there any other comments up, uh, on, on that topic? One other thing that I wanted to mention, um, what I picked up on Thomas Brooks Park, the applicant is the Historical Commission, and correctly, the City of Medford is the co-applicant, but it's not specified anywhere in the EDF which city department will have responsibility, you know, who the city staff person will be the liaison for this project. So that's something that needs to be um, determined in the full application in order for it to be um, complete. Okay, I can talk to Jen about that. I wasn't aware of yeah. that was missing. It ought to be the mayor who designates who that is and the mayor should probably make that designation based on which department has oversight, the care and control of that specific parcel. Okay. If I may, I, I think that's really important, Roberta, to identify who is going to be responsible for maintenance because we hate to see a one-time <coughs> expenditure here and then just have it be, not be maintained and revert back to overgrowth and native, um, invasive species, et cetera. Yeah. It's also it's going also to be critical because the Historical Commission is a group of volunteers mm -hmm. and we need to ensure that um, there's somebody who is on top of the procurement and, you know, following the state laws pertaining to the management of city property. Okay. Were there any other 
questions or comments, things that we would like to communicate to specific applicants um, that we, that we there, the applications are actually due next month or the end of this month. So um, now is the time to let our applicants know if there's anything that we need from them in their applications. They'll have the chance to provide supplementary material if it's still missing when they submit the full application as long as they submit it before the, um, the public presentations in November. Um, but it would be helpful for our, if, if we think of anything now to let them know. I think the only thing that I always go back to is the completeness of the application, right? Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes we go through these applications and we have so many questions that we come back with. Some things are just not answered. Some things need to be clarified, which is fine. But given the competitiveness of this round, I think we just need to, you know, impress upon them to, to really complete the application um, yeah. as clearly as they can. And as much detail as possible, so we're not right. asking these questions. Right. <clears throat> Completeness of the application is one indicator of their preparedness, their feasibility to be able to carry out the project. So, Roberta, the other thing we could do is to ask, let everyone know that this is the first round we've had that the requests far exceed the funds available mm -hmm. and ask if they can increase the matching grants portion or as you said before, phase it in the two different rounds, you know, try to spread the money over more than one year, mm -hmm. um, just to try to drive down the number or, you know, re reconsider the number even. Yeah, well, moving in the wrong direction, one of the things that jumped out to me when I was looking at the mm -hmm the list the gillis park master plan so so far we've funded a couple of park planning projects which came out that was the um the the mcglynn school and the oak grove cemetery um, monument restoration both were parks planning type projects and those came out to around 40 to fifty thousand dollars, if i recall those projects and here, um, I can't imagine that we are getting the plan that the city needs to be able to move forward with improvements to Gillis Park for $10,000, given the limited experience that we've had Absolutely. Yep. So our recommendation would be to um, perhaps get some assistance from the city's grant writer or the office of community development to expand this into a proper park planning project just a not a totally serious comment but i, I note the medford public library request didn't they just get a grant for $3 million? <laughs> right, but they need more money, right? They're, they're going out for uh, additional uh, donations from the public. Got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the Gillis Park one, um, 
it talks about uh, evaluating potential renovations and upgrades, including backstop and fencing. Didn't we just replace that? Yes, we did. Okay, so <laughs> wait a minute. <clears throat> I mean, that, that would fall under maintenance. Those things, every couple of years, you have to redo those. And that just comes down to a maintenance issue. Wow. Yeah. No, what we really need is to reconceive the um, the viewing area, right? And and provide for an accessible path between the parking lot and the viewing area, right? And I'm not sure that that is what they're thinking of in this proposal. So yeah, I think this is this is one of the examples of why I think we need to get OCD and the public to provide some input in what the parks department projects ought to be. Mm -hmm. Any further comments or concerns? Not at this time. So is the uh, small grant that's in here, is that, yes. um, I mean, isn't that West sort of Metro out of this? Center? Yeah. Isn't that yes. considered outside of the, the normal? Um, well, it just, I think, was coincidentally submitted at the same time as the whole batch. So um, we're looking at it as if it was an eligibility determination form, but we could invite them to submit a small grant application and maybe come in and talk with us next month. Who is the applicant? Who's the original applicant for the West Memphis Community Center? Was it Jaeger? The director? Um, no. Wasn't it? Um, Monique? Monique. Yeah. Because okay, the director is no longer there. He's moved on. Right. Bigger, bigger and better things. <laughs> Closer to his home. <clears throat> Roberta, the one thing I would uh, would ask is is the consideration for the affordable housing and the rent, which I know we're going to get into as a separate item on yeah. this. But is there are we going to try to wall off a certain dollar amount for you know for housing for rent support that may alter this number? We're going to live with the number that's that's there now. Um, let's see what they're asking for. So Housing Families is looking for an additional $10,000 for a program that's is basically expanding the program that we've already funded for them. And um, the other one, I want to find it on the list. I'm just going to color code them so that our eyes can follow the uh, ABCD. Um so that's 60,000. And this is for a program that is very different from the one that we've funded already. Um, so out of the potentially minimum 175,000, we're going to be reserving for affordable housing this year. And we have 250,000 in reserve. And we have a request for 275,000 to consider for uh, affordable housing development. Um, it seems as though we might not need to put rails around 
I don't know. It, my feeling is that this, this isn't a disproportionate amount of funding that's being requested for housing assistance programs, but maybe committee members will view that differently. I know that Mike Lewis was not in favor of any um, rental assistance programs in the past, so I don't want to speak for everyone. It might be one of the you know decisions that we make this year since we don't have funding to cover everything. Yeah. Um, we did state in our program goals and priorities um, that housing support programs, which the rental assistance would fall into that category, are lower in priority. So the funding would go toward housing development before it goes to housing support. Right. I, I guess... I guess what I would say is that when that was written, obviously three or four years ago, we're in a very different world now. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I wouldn't like, even for the Brooks estate stuff, I would not want to fund those and not fund a hundred people having rent, you know, as a, as a choice, maybe it's a false choice, but I mm -hmm. feel like the, the, the crisis side of the housing thing deserves special consideration in this climate in a extremely challenging where support from the federal government is basically evaporated and, and failing. And people are, the evictions are gonna to start to ramp up dramatically over the next couple of months. I just wonder if we should maybe be more generous in the housing than, than we would normally be, even if the request is, is not exactly there right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point, Doug. I agree with you. Okay. Um, so it, it seems as though, you know, right now with what's in the pipeline, we can just go ahead. There, there isn't any specific feedback that we need to provide for the uh, for the application process for those projects. Not feedback, but just, you know, information about this round and, you know, the level of funding versus the level of requests and the completeness of the applications, which will help us. Yeah. So I might want to draft a letter to the applicants expressing this information. Sorry, I'm taking notes. That's okay. And having a conversation with the Parks Department about yeah. their overall plan and priorities. You keep saying the Parks Department, it's the City of Medford. Sorry, sorry. The city we of would, Medford. <laughs> we would love to come up with a plan, but we don't have the purview to do that. Right. We can send a letter requesting it, like I said, and we'll see what we get for a response. It'll probably come back from the mayor's office and the OCD office. And then I can request to have some kind of open meeting with uh, the public and see if we can get something a little bit more concrete or where we want to spend the money. 
but I don't see a capital plan right now for the parks. No, but I think that the parks department probably has a good idea about where the priorities lay, right? Oh, we all have one, but the problem is, is there's no, there hasn't been any funding for years right. to do it. Right. So, and that's and an unfortunate thing is that we have a very tight timeline. This is, you know, because we tried to give people more flexibility, more time to, to submit the eligibility determination forms. The downside is that they have very little time now to actually um, prepare the applications before they're due. Um, I want to um, get a letter to the parks, to Mike Nestor, Alicia Hunt, and, the, and I'll CC the mayor as well. Um, right away, asking if they would consider having a public meeting to talk about priorities because of the fact that there's more funding requested than funding available. Um, because it would be preferable for that meeting to occur early enough that they don't go and obtain three quotes for each of those park projects that they you know, suggested putting in applications for. Um, you know, there's a there's a certain amount of um, effort that we're trying to save them by asking them to prioritize what to even apply for. Exactly. I'm, I'm just wondering if they're going to rely on the open space plan that just came with was done a year or so ago, and go from there. So we need to see if that's what they're going to rely on. Need to get another copy of it. I don't know what happened to the copy that was supposed to be delivered. It was not, but I'll double it's check. It's available on online. Yeah, it's it's. it's uh, I mean, at the very least, if they, I, I expect that they'll come back and say they don't have time to put together a public meeting. Oh, most likely not in this. It's not in this. definitely going to happen. So I think we should at least ask, at the very least, to come and get, provide us with what their plan is and their priorities and how that they would approach this, you know, without a public meeting, they should at least provide some more detail in their plan. I am going to switch to the other document that I shared um, that I sent out to all of you earlier. No, not that one. Um, our criteria, um, showing, so what I wanted to highlight was, um, Um, this criteria to, um, we, we're asking them to show broad public, uh, broad planning, project planning involved, I mean, project planning involves broad public process okay. is our best practices for what we're looking for in an application. So uh, the fact that it was based on the open space and recreation plan is a plus. There has been some public process going into it, 
but in a highly competitive funding round. In fact, this is something that I would want to highlight to all of the applicants that public awareness and public involvement in helping to establish what they're looking for, I mean, what, what, what their plan is, would make it a stronger project. That's my preference. <laughs> I know I, I'm I'm complicating it for them by by asking for it, but we've we kind of set up a um an a timeline that makes it difficult for them to do this level of engagement that we were looking for. Um, I would I would strongly urge them to do it if they can, even if they don't want to. Um, it might make the project less of a priority for us. Through the chair, Roberta, um, is regarding letters of support and positive public comment, can't those also happen at the presentation stage? We don't yes. them to necessarily have all those letters and like public comments submitted to us with the application when it's their turn to present at, a, at the public meeting, they can, you know, have their supporters there and have letters there as well. So I feel like there is some time. At, they don't need to do everything by before the 24th. Yeah. That's true. I was just thinking that in terms of having to prioritize which of the projects to even submit full applications for, it would be helpful to, um, if they were going to use public input to help them prioritize, then it would be helpful to have that input sooner than later. But, you know, it's a trade-off. They, if they want to decide first which projects to go forward on and then get public input, that works too. Or they and I'm really, I feel like being a stick, I'm sorry, Dan. Or they can apply for all of them and then... I mean, that's more work, but then it, you know, through the process, find out what is a higher priority. Um, yeah. But I don't, I think we can only go by the, the open space plan and the, the survey that the CPC administers every year and, and from our, um, the annual public hearing, you know, what, yeah. what was yeah, they, um, I've got the open space plan open and they're talking about open space priorities, recreation and priorities. And they go on basically saying that, you know, there's a strong interest for, you know, improving um, open space, but, you know, funds are limited. Um, that's so they talk about being creative and how to fund them. And then they say the CPA is a new opportunity. So, yep. But they did rank the parks in that plan. They, they did, and we should review that. I guess they have, I think Molly found that they ranked them in two different places and not the same ranking. Oh, so there are different reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, they talk about there's, there's different, um, uh, four different um, uh, priorities that they list. So climate change, resilience, maintenance, capital improvements, management of open spaces for the city and public awareness and stewardship. So maybe they rank them on those different things differently. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we, we may be able to continue to provide some input in helping them to prioritize or they can use the plan to prioritize. I'm, Yeah, it's it's. I would say that it's up to them to determine how much effort to put into it, but I'm afraid that it's really going to fall on us in the end because the application, they're going to require a lot of assistance in preparing these applications. And um, it's going to be just as burdensome for us as it is for them to apply for more projects than they can reasonably expect to be able to fund in a year. Mm. And I was just gonna say that I wanted to be a stickler about the request for public process because we've had a few projects that there were kind of um, hit turbulence in our first three funding rounds because of the lack of public process ahead of time. And so I think it's really helpful that, especially the neighbors, but people in general who have an interest in the project have a chance to hear about it from the city before they hear about it from us. Um, yeah, because we, you know, know, over, time, over time, I think maybe even the um, community's priorities may have changed, right? Yeah. So maybe they might want to speak up about an area that now they've started to use more and is, you know, higher on their priority list. Yeah. Um, so I think I have a sense of what feedback to give to um, the applicants and, um, you know, what, what to say to them going into this. Um, so if, unless we have any further comments on the subject of the EDFs, we can move on to the next item. It was just nice not to have to vote on them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna locate where on my computer I have the agenda. Um, Discussion of rental assistance program criteria. So I don't know that we're gonna get deeply into this today. Um, I forwarded to committee members the um, program guidelines that were drafted at the beginning of the eligibility, uh, of the ERA programs when they launched last spring. Right. And given that we have two um, rental assistance programs in the pipeline as applicants for this funding round, um, I think that it would be helpful for us to be able to articulate before the application process is completed, before we vote on funding for these programs, for us to articulate what our, what we think should be the um, program guidelines. Um, rather than have it be given to us by the applicants and that we can take what we expect to to um, use as program guidelines and have legal review to ensure that um, 
we should be doing everything that we're promising to do with the with our funds for these programs. I wonder whether the best thing might be to have a subcommittee to work together to talk about whether to refine the guidelines for the housing families application that is similar to the one that we've already funded for them. So that would be reflecting the guidelines that I sent out to you earlier today. And to draft a new set of program guidelines for the type of program that ABCD is applying for, which rather than rental assistance, it's providing first, last, and security assistance to help people move into um, apartments in Medford. So um, any discussion about this or volunteers to work together to um, draft guidelines to negotiate with the applicants? So, so I don't have a lot of knowledge in this space. Um. I'm happy to help write something. I'm willing to help. I just, like Joan, don't have a lot of knowledge in that. So I don't know if I will be helpful. <laughs> <clears throat> Who is our housing expert, Roberta? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm happy to help out. I mean, I think we, we, we all are, most of you know my position on, on the temporary housing uh, assistance, but I'm, I'm happy to, to help out in any way I can. Okay, we can't share it with any more than, in fact, I think four committee members would be too many right now. Um, So I, I think we'd have to have a maximum of, of three in a subcommittee. I don't know actually what the rules are because we should probably, if we meet, follow open meeting law anyway. I'm not, you know, like, I'm not sure what the appropriate way is to undertake tasks like this that need to be collaboratively carried out. Do you happen to know Danielle or anyone? What do the city council subcommittees do? You're usually three three committee members, whether it be school committee or city council. I, just can't I, I remember when we were we were still, yeah I remember we were searching for an executive director for Medford Housing, like more than so there's a it's a five member board only two of us could be on the initial search committee. Otherwise, it had to be an open meeting. And then when we did the final interviews, it was an open meeting with all five of us. Okay. Yeah, so I think we should keep it at three or below. And um, sorry, Doug? Yeah, I think three is the max. Otherwise, you're getting close, too close to a quorum. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, given that this is none of our areas of expertise, we might need to um, do some research by looking at what other communities do who have similar programs like this and 
see if we can glean from them what the best practices are, understanding that other communities don't always do things correctly. So we don't want to repeat their mistakes. But um, do we know who else is doing this? I know that Malden has, I think, a, a, they started a program similar to this last year with ABCD also. And I believe that Somerville has a different organization, one or, one or more other organizations that have um, CPA funded programs like this. And I'm not sure that there are any others out there. I mean, there are other first, last, and security programs, but they would be funded by different, and it would be maybe helpful to look at what they do as well, but they wouldn't be CPA funded. Hmm. I mean, the other, I know we talk, I, I know there have been discussions about an affordable housing trust being created, and then, you know what I mean, we talked about if, if they did create one, then we would just give them a pool of money, and then they could do with it what they deemed appropriate. Um, yeah. I think this Cam Cambridge, I think, does that. I don't know whether whether it, in what manner they they distribute the funds, but I know that was something that was talked about. I don't know if that that got anywhere or not. I mean, we talked about it in Medford, and didn't? Um, yeah. You have you were working with were you working with Mayor Burke and then with Mayor Lungo Kern on that, Roberta? Um, Yes, actually, with Mayor Burke and then the city council, um, because one of the things that, that kind of became clear toward the end of last year was that the ball is really in the city council's court to get it rolling. And so um, they really ought to be the audience more than the mayor initially. I mean, the mayor's input is obviously going to be critical to being able to implement it. Um, but the city council, you know, the next step is to draft an ordinance that creates the entity. And that's in the city council's purview to draft that ordinance. To my knowledge, the, um, John Falco is in communication with someone from the Massachusetts Housing Partnership who advises communities on establishing affordable housing trusts. And they were trying to set a date for her to come and speak to a committee of the whole to um, talk about what that could look like for Medford. And I've actually drafted language for them that they could use as a template, but they, they feel like they need to get the, um, the one-on-one presentation of, what it is before they consider um, mm -hmm. drafting the language. And the language would establish, just like it did for our committee, who sits on that board and what their roles and responsibilities are. So um, the, the instrument that creates the trust is, uh, is just a, a simple template just just like we used the more important question is who would the city tap to sit on the trust and what kinds of responsibilities would they give the trust um beyond the template roberta what happened to those meetings um that zach bears used to lead he stopped leading them okay 
uh, he hasn't done this. So back maybe in the spring, what's or, that? I think maybe that could be revived or see if there's. <clears throat> yeah. What meetings were these? Back in the spring when the, um, when the COVID crisis was just emerging, Zach Bears requested to have a, like a, a, a housing team consisting of some city staff people, as well as um, key committee members who could talk and provide updates on what the city was doing with respect to housing. This was also when the um, we were launching the COVID um, emergency rental assistance programs and ensuring that the city website was up to date um, regarding the city's housing resources and um, the 40B proposals were just um, beginning their public hearing process. There were a number of house, critical housing issues that blew up at the same time. And so Councilor Bears um, convened these staff and committee chair meetings to um, be able to keep, up, keep, keep each other up to date on what was going on. And it was useful, but it only lasted as long as he had the energy to be able to lead that. And without his initiating it, it hasn't continued. All right. Um, all right. So I'm going to tap then um, Joan and Christy to I'll, I'll be in touch with you offline to talk about um, what information we can gather to help us develop program guidelines for these two programs, um, looking at what's working in other communities and um, seeing if we can, since we don't have the expertise between us, if we can find people who do to advise us on what would be the best way to make this successful and legal. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm moving on. I wanna find my um, agenda again. Project updates. <clears throat> do you, um, do we have any project updates? Any anything that has changed in the last month regarding um, the projects that we've funded previously? When last I heard, Mike Lewis said that he thought the um, Laprise Village was going to be finished um, around mid-September, which it's around mid-September. How are we doing? I, I haven't heard from the executive director. I'm waiting for a call back on it. I'm, hope, I'm hopeful it's going to be done, but I, I, I can't confirm it yet. Are all the Chevalier Theater uh, projects done to date? Like the air conditioning, all that stuff, is that all done? Air conditioning and the window restoration. Right. Starting next month, we'll try to have a, a summary that we can quickly go through this. There used to be one on... Yeah, I don't know where that... Um... 
that list went. Mm -hmm. The eight, uh, of course, I'm completely overlooking. I sent you today the emergency rental assistance updates. Maybe we can start with talking about those before we pull up the other projects. Um, I'm going to screen share again a document that I haven't sent to all of you, but I put it together today to um, provide an overview of both of the programs all at once. Um, so what we've, we received today uh, updates from both ABCD and housing families of what they, um, what their activity has been over the past month. Um, actually, ABCD has giving us updates all cumulatively and housing families has been giving us updates all individually, like just for that month. So I've put these into one table so that we can see apples to apples what both programs look like. Um, housing Families Inc. so far has spent 14,000 out of their $20,000 that were allotted last spring so they have five thousand and change remaining they've spent um about eleven hundred each funding um rental assistance for 13 households and there are details about the specific the demographics of the households that they've been assisting in the reports that they've provided they are typically funding very low income households, they tell us. Um, so ABCD so far out of the 125,000 that the council approved for them to date, they have um, completed applications totaling $66,000 and have another $20,000 in process, in process, the application process. So that will bring them to a total of $86,000 committed out of the original $125,000. And they suggest anticipating that it might take a couple of months to get through the pipeline, that um, it might be time to request the second $125,000 in funding for that program. Um, they have right now 30, $38,000, dollars remaining out of the first allotment, which is perhaps approximately one month's worth, one to two months worth of funds at the rate they've been going. But it's kind of surprising. I think that Medford's uptake of the emergency rental assistance has been relatively slow compared to all of the other communities that have put rental assistance funds out there. And I don't have any, I can't conjecture why that is. Um, our demographics, our economics would suggest there's a high need for emergency rental assistance. We've done a really, you know, although we're lacking 
an infrastructure of social programs based in Medford. We've done quite a lot of outreach through flyering and signage and um, obviously social media and, you know, trying to use the networks that we have. So um, any ideas or observations about the emergency rental assistance programs? I felt like they were going to be used quick, more quickly. So I guess I'm glad to see that they're taking their time to sort of go through the process and hopefully in a, a good way, you know, mm -hmm. it's completed and they're reviewing these applications and <clears throat> to the detail level. So, yeah. So I'm going to put all of this together in a report to submit to OCD and the mayor and the city council um, shortly. And, you know, maybe this is, it would be helpful if we had the committee's perspective before submitting a request to city council. What is your perspective about requesting the city council to release the remaining 125,000 for ABCD. Say that one more time, Roberta. So um, we, we approved 250,000 for ABCD and city council only, uh, we recommended 250,000 and city council only approved the, fir the first half of that. So before, so I'd like to know what the committee's um, opinion, feelings are about asking city council at this point for the remaining funds. Betty has her hand up, but she's muted. Here we go. I'm unmuted, yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, given that unemployment benefits have recently run out for a majority of people or have been greatly reduced, I imagine that funds are going to be, rental assistance is going to be in greater demand going forward. And so that would speak to the timeliness of asking city council for the additional funding. Okay. I also think that it's, um, it's not just about the renters, it's about the small property owners too. Right, so we're helping yeah. two different groups at the same time to kind of maintain awesome. the yeah. situation. Mm -hmm. It's it's like bridging it's bridging time until you know things start to normalize a little bit. What was the reasoning why they only want to release the 125? Was there a consensus um, all over the place? Yeah, it was. They had a concern that we'd be um, that the funds, if if the funds were not used for the purposes that were outlined in our um, in our program criteria that 
they would be utilized maybe for non-Medford residents or utilized for a for some other program that didn't reflect this. So the city council, I think in, in the end, it makes a lot of sense. The city council wanted to test the necessity for the program by releasing the first half of the funds because $250,000 is a lot of money. And in fact, it has taken a lot longer than we expected to run through this first disbursement of funding. So it, it wasn't a bad judgment call on the city council's side to want to um, approach this more carefully. Mm -hmm. Do you think it passed the test? That I will find out when we ask them for the rest. No, no, no. Do you think that the oh, do I? yeah. The perception. Well, what's the data show? We can actually show them data of what's been already utilized, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Our report shows how many households have been assisted to date with how much funding from the two programs. 62 households averaging $1,600 each have benefited from the program to date. And this is while we have the unemployment assistance and the um, eviction moratorium in place. Right. right. Can we get more details to show that if there were Medford home, home uh, Medford residents going forward that would help out Medford homeowners? They, so all of the renters assisted are Medford residents. And yeah. actually ABCD provides some data in the report that I forwarded you today, okay. describing the, some of the landlords as well. I'm going to see if I can pull that report up on my, I'm going to screen. Oh, I'm sorry that I still had the screen share. Oh, I, never mind. I couldn't tell which document I was sharing. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> for a moment, it looked like I had the wrong document shared. Okay. So the ABCD update, um, on page, Oh, uh, it might be paid. There was something about the landlords. Uh, let's see. Uh, so 11 participating landlords reside in Medford, it says. Is that 11 out of 33? Uh, let's see. And did they also tell us whether they were large apartment buildings, smaller? I, I know housing families gave us that information, but I don't recall if ABCD told us the type of building that they live in. I don't remember seeing that. In here. They could probably, um, they, I don't know, they might be able 
to pull up that information. Um, that was one of the criteria the council was looking for, then that would be something we would want to offer them. Yeah. Certainly I can ask them whether they can describe the number of units in the building. They might not have collected that information from the applicants, but if they have the addresses of the properties, we could find that out from assessor's data. There's not that many properties to look up. But basically you're saying they're all, all the assistance went to Medford residents. All of the assistance went to Medford residents. That was one of the council's concerns. That's a requirement. We, they, they're not allowed to assist non-Medford residents with our emergency rental assistance funds. Is at the time when it went to city council, we weren't sure <clears throat> whether fair housing laws applied. And it, we got confirmation after that we can limit it to just Medford residents. But unfortunately, we didn't have that information that night for them to give them that assurance. Now we can. Yes. So I, I have no issue in, in, in trying to uh, put that 125000 through the council to go to ABCD. Okay. Can can we just take a quick look at the um, section five, six, seven, eight barriers and gaps, um, which is on page four? Do you have the document up, um, Roberta? Do you want me to share it? Yeah. Okay. John, I got it right here. See? Oh, look at that! Mike, hold it up closer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, page four. Mm -hmm. Barriers, and, Barriers gaps. and gaps. So they talked about some challenges that they had that they're working to figure out. Um, one being that landlords declined to participate, which they didn't seem to find that was a big deal, but um, high levels of rental, how do you say that? Errorages. <laughs> we need Mike Lewis to say it for us. <laughs> um, I mean, they said that clearly the immediate assistance wasn't a, an issue, but it does signal that a household will have significant need for continued services in order to maintain tenancy. So but I think we're just cognizant of this as being a temporary program, not an ongoing program. And yeah. just want, you know. That, that's always been my concern with this is that this is a temporary measure. The courts have been closed. They're closed until mid-October. Um, the CDC just released something that they want a moratorium until the end of the year, which I'm not, I'm not sure where that's going or not. But my, my concern with this is they're going to put more money into this, and then once the courts are open, that these families are going to get evicted, regardless of the money that's spent. I see you concerned, Mike. I really do. The only um, the only counter to that is that that 
$1,500 could potentially help to keep a small landlord from, um, mm -hmm. from foreclosing because there's not a foreclosure moratorium to go with the eviction moratorium. That's true. But we don't have any way of targeting our funds specifically to certain types of landlords. Um, but okay, I think, are there any other concerns or questions or comments about the rental assistance update? No, I think the council is going to ask you for your opinion and recommendation and the opinion and recommendation of the CPC, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, clearly it's just meant to be a temporary stopgap. Um, and there are two sides to this, the renter and the landlord. And to your point, while, you know, the renter might have continued need for services, the, the landlord needs to pay their mortgage, right? And taxes. And taxes yeah. to the city, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so. 2% 2 CPC fund. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, don't forget about that. <laughs> so. Um, and the, only, the only other option is to turn around and say, we're not going to give the money and, then, and make sure that we do something with the affordable housing. And that, I mean, really, right. still putting the money where it goes. Where it needs to go but again in this day and age the way things are happening i can see the rental assistance helping out many families especially in medford right although it doesn't provide as much you know it doesn't provide the permanent help that constructing housing provides mm -hmm. um we help many more households temporarily then you know we're we're looking at putting bringing the funding level up to five hundred fifty thousand dollars for three units at Fellsway West. Once you know the the total amount of CPA funding that will have gone into that project by the time um, they get all of their funding together. So five hundred fifty thousand for three units versus a hundred thousand helping sixty families. Right. So it. Right. It's not going to be perfect on either side, but yeah. I think this is you know for now it's it's a pretty good um, opportunity to to help those. This is only those temporary. Yeah, temporary. If we look long term, we're going to be around for a while. We can still put the money into affordable housing down the road. That's right. Yeah. And if they, you know, get on that housing uh, trust ordinance, that'll even help better. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to um, move on to see if we have um, other project updates. The um, are are there any updates to the Brooks Estate? Can you share the screen for a second? What's sure. that? Can you share the screen? Oh, yeah. um, can, you share the, can you share the screen? Uh, let's see. You're a co-host, so you should have ability. 
Oh yeah, hold on a second. Down the bottom. Yep. When's that carriage house opening up, Doug? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> two years from whatever day it is now. <laughs> so this is the uh, Port Cochere. They've got the staging up. They've, they've, they're starting to do the pointing, the repointing of the bricks. They've been mobilized for about three weeks right now. I was there this past week on Monday, um, this past week, long weekend, doing a good job. They're, gonna, they're, they're making good progress. Um, as always, you find some you find weird stuff in the building. Uh, found out, turns out there was a piece of steel framing this, which we had no idea about. Um, so we've got to deal with that as a condition. Uh, but that's going pretty well. The um, let's see what else was there. The stone wall was basically, you know, that's that's waiting to start phase two. So that's in pretty good shape right now. Um, so those are the, the two products that are are moving forward quickly. Uh, and obviously um, there are other ones that are a little slower. We've, we've gotten uh, drawings for the um, access drive, which we'll, we have, we're setting up a meeting with the city of Medford next month to go to all the departments to show them the design of the access drive from Grove Street all the way to the manor, including the parking lot. Um, we've been working on that um, most of the past year. With the consultant, we had to take a couple months off for COVID. Uh, when things just slowed down, they couldn't get out there and, and uh, do any survey work. So that's the update for that. All right. Um, so we got, I think, an update on the school projects that we funded the last round. The grant agreements have been signed for all of those projects. So Danielle, do you know if um, they're underway or what, what's going on with the school projects now? So for the two um, surface replacement at the Brooks and the Columbus, um, they um, selected vendors. So they went through the procurement process and have their vendors and um, are going to you know get ready to do this at any time um, purchase orders should be opened by now so they're getting ready to go on those will it be done before the winter um it's usually a very quick thing that they do it was like i think a weekend oh, and then you okay. like sit. i remember the the roberts went pretty quickly once they started um Yes, I'm, I'm not. Sh I'm not sure. But the last one I talked to them last week, it was they were going to start getting ready to go. Um, other projects, um, Mike Nestor. I haven't been out, out to see it, but Mike Nestor said that the canopy is up at Hickey Park. And wow. Yeah, and so and he says like within the next three weeks, um, he is anticipating like getting a picnic table under there. But I still need to follow up about. Um, the like accessible path to it, like just to make sure that the surface, you know, is ADA accessible. It's a, you know, a level pad and, you know, to, to get to it from the, um, it's like a little like walking path near there. Um, other projects, um, Wright's Pond, the um, part of that irrigation project was invasive removal and they've been doing that. I haven't been able to, um, go out there and observe that I'm trying to set up a time for the next time that they 
um, have their crew out there to pull some of the black swallow work to, to be able to see what's going on. Um, so I'm trying, I'm trying to set up a time, um, but that's been ongoing. Um, Grace Church has started work on um, a set of doors. Mm -hmm. So that's boarded up right now. And I dropped off a temporary sign for them the other day. Um, I think the Royal House windows are almost done. The Osgood House, all the lower windows are removed and being repaired off site. Um, but that's, it's been a little bit slow because um, apparently the person who's doing those windows also has a lot of the contracts with the schools, which are needing <laughs> to operate all of their windows and make sure that they're operable, um, you know, in order to, to get kids inside. So that's been a little slow because windows are big business at the moment. Um, they've been having some delays in getting their building permit for the rear entrance. So um, there's been some staff turnover. And so I'm trying to kind of figure out if that's been issued yet, but it's been a really long time to get that building permit. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Cause I know that uh, Mason cook, who is the person that was selected um, is ready to get started on that. Um, some of the other projects I haven't been able to go by the housing authority yet to see if the bocce courts are finished. Um, I don't know if anyone's been there. Does Mike Lewis, does he know about the bocce courts by any chance? I don't. Like I said, I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from the executive director on, on both projects. Okay. Um, I was at the bocce courts about a month ago and they were just about done. They were, they were finishing up. Hmm. Okay, yeah, because that's near the, the other project that you have an EDF for. Right. Yes, I keep meaning to. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's tough. Um, some of the, let's see, hold on, I just lost my screen. Um, I'm trying to think of anything significant since, I think that's all like really the updates since the um, last. The last meeting i don't have anything new to report so doug you talked about the wall and the port couture what about the interior rooms and the electrical stuff that you guys are working on those haven't started yet no the, tom tom is still working through those tom lincoln um i think he's getting he's getting quotes from electrical contractors he's, he's still behind on that one I'm not sure about, what's the other one you were talking about? Uh, the electrical and the restoration of the interior rooms. Yeah, I think he's doing the electrical first because I think you need to do the elect electrical involves demo. The interior rooms would have to be follow that um, because you wouldn't want to do them and then get them all messed up by the demo. Yeah. Yep. So there's, a, there's a sequencing issue there. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the uh, the invasives one, they're coming back in the month of October, Danielle. I think to finish that project, it was a, a, a two-step process, I think, and they, they're going to come back next month to complete it. Okay, because I did notice that there was some, I, when I walked up there a couple weeks ago, I did see some knotweed. It seemed like yeah. it had come back. So, that's, <laughs> it, yeah, I know it, it's it, a very stubborn. It always thing. does come back unless you attack it. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good to know. I wasn't I wasn't sure what the status was. On yeah, that. we had an inbound meeting, a board meeting last night. 
where it was updated. How about the um, Oak Grove Cemetery? Um, ha have they begun to work on that? The, um, so there are two projects, the landscape rehabilitation and the World War I monument. The, um, regarding the landscape project, um, I know that Abby said that she went to, she did a site visit with Aggie and Groundmasters who was going to do the work. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure what has happened since then. Um, cause now it's the fall when you wanted to do the planting. So I think, um, that should be happening. I would think sooner than later. Um, usually you certainly don't want to plant trees in the blazing summer, even September is a little hot. Um, and the, I need to um, check with the veterans agent about the um, study. I think that that was going to be a somewhat longer process. It's, it's definitely, I don't know if it's, it's definitely not done. Um, I think the timeline was a little bit longer. Um, yeah. I was wondering whether it even started. <laughs> Never mind, finished. I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. Okay. I think that probably covers the projects. Next month, maybe um, we'll try to have a more formal look at it so that we can cross off, you know, the projects that are already completed and decide who will be the liaison so that we can be more organized about keeping track of the projects and helping to ensure that pictures are taken as we're monitoring their progress and so forth. Um, I think a lot more is falling on Danielle um, than, than needs to be um, with keeping track of the projects that we've already funded. So um, let me pull up the agenda again. Other business? We are still, um, we're, Finally, looking at some applications that were submitted to fill our vacant seat and a the batch from our latest advertisement for the seat was just sent to me this week. So um, we'll um, review the candidates and um, submit some recommendations to the mayor's office. Um, on by early next week. So hopefully by our next meeting, we'll have somebody in place to fill our vacant seat. Is Casey still on the board? She is actually because we had to change the night of this month's meeting. She wasn't able to be here for this month. Yeah, we're filling, this is Elizabeth's seat, right? That we're still trying to fill. It's Elizabeth's seat that we're filling. So we had originally advertised for that back in February. And then with COVID and the new administration, it everything just became, there was so much change happening all at once. Um, the applications were, um, 
the, the, the process of, of appointing somebody was just kind of lost. So according to our, um, to our ordinance, if the position is not filled within a certain amount of time, it has to be re-advertised. Re so that's why we picked it up again and did the re-advertising last month. And um, so we'll be appointing the position, hopefully by our next meeting. Other business? Guess not. Well, uh, we, we usually do an annual CPC non-meeting meeting. I know. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with CPC. And I, I wonder if we're going to be able to do that this year or not. <laughs> I think a, a glass of wine all around, a virtual uh, wine bar would be appropriate. Yes. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> done a few of those You're at work. To ask? I'm sorry? We've done a few of those at work. Yeah, we have too. <laughs> I was afraid to even ask whether people had an appetite to sit through another Zoom meeting, whether it's social <laughs> or not. <laughs> I can always call Dominic and we can try to do it again, but a little bit. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, that was fun. Hey, did you all see that uh, Charlie Baker was at Bistro 5 today? I saw wow. that. Yes. Given his, his weekly or whatever his monthly update, whatever yeah. it is. Wow. I'll have to play that up. Um, Danielle, I have. I want to show everyone the, the permanent signs. We got a second. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you. I forgot to ask. Yeah. This is, this is what we started. The last meeting, what we showed you, mm -hmm. um, you know, for what the sign was going to look like. And I have... Um, Let's see. This is uh, a mock-up that I received in the mail last week. It's uh, I try to show it at an angle so you can see that the, there's a little bit of a three-dimensional rise here with our our graphics for both the Community Preservation Act and the text, the lines above and below, and our our logo and our branding is also slightly raised off this piece of half-inch acrylic with the stainless steel mounting spacers on each corner. So um, I have this sample, and it's I have pricing to get 20 of these uh, made, which would cover us for everything in the pipeline now that's a building, um, you know, a historic building like the Shepherd Books Manor or the Medford Historical Society or the Chevalier or things of that nature. This would go at some place inside inside the building in the lobby or the entrance, et cetera, is the idea. And I don't know. If did you have any comments on this, Roberta? Any any further thoughts on, on this? Do you want to show the, the photo? Oh, can you not see that? No, we cannot. We could just see your mock-up on the... Oh, hold on a second. Sorry. Yeah, this is the, can you see the photo now? Oh yeah. Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. Looks great. So it's, it's pretty sharp. It, they're about a hundred and something dollars, 125, I think a piece, oh, wow. um, you know, um, and 
and we, we have a quote for the 20, uh, which I think I'll share with Danielle, but we have to get it through the city, so we'll coordinate that. But I, I think this came out pretty nice. I, I like it. Did. it. I it's, it's white, sure. but not really white. It's kind of grayish. Right. Muted. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not as bright as I was, I was expecting, which is good. We all want it to be a little bit more subtle. So I think this is, um, I, you know, if everyone likes this, um, anyone, I could drop this off to anyone who wants to see the actual sample. But um, How many, is that a half inch or a quarter inch raise? I can't tell. It's a half inch with a beveled corner. Oh, yeah, okay. So it's, it's, it's pretty durable, it's, uh, and it sits about three-quarter inch off the wall. Okay. Um, and it's, I'm just, I'm, I was really pleased with the quality of this. It just looks really sharp. <laughs> my my only question, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder, um, I'm trying to picture if I were the Royal House, where in, I mean, I'm sure they would put it inside the visitor's area of the slave quarters. I'm trying to picture, like, where would this not be um, too much? I think we want to give the, the folks who are putting it in their building a lot of leeway of where to put it. Yeah. You know, we, don't, we shouldn't insist on anything other than not, you know, it needs to be in a publicly visible space, but they could put it in a hallway. They could put it, it doesn't need to be in your face as you walk in. Right. Yeah. So I think they, we need to let, let, let them have a judgment about where it goes. Yeah. Just not and the bathroom. The, that's right. <laughs> Unless we funded that bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they would have the option to design their own sign if they prefer as well. But, you know, like we can give them so much time to design their own sign. And if they don't, you know, use this one. I'd be surprised if anybody wanted to go through the effort, frankly, but right. sure, we can, we can do that. Yeah. I think it's good to provide the signs. I found, yeah. I found that it's been a lot easier for the, um, for the, like the park projects, the ones that don't need a fancy sign, just be able to give them, you know, one of the aluminum signs, just easier and standardized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really streamlines it. So yeah, I think that, It'd be really easy to be just, this is the sign that we, we give you. If you're strongly like, averse to it, um, propose something different and we can present it to the committee yep. for review approval. Right. Otherwise, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a mom. <laughs> now, this looks great. <clears throat> The only thing I'm thinking about is because it's raised um, the cleanability. Like, like anything will start to settle on top of the 3D. Yeah, it, it, there definitely would be some. I, I think the letters are strong enough where <laughs> you can kind of gently wipe them. Yeah, just get um, it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not so worried about the, about the square logos up top. It's really the, the text here, I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I guess I, I, I don't think it's a huge maintenance issue just to kind of every now and then a little Windex or whatever goes on yeah. this, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Or you can get a, get a little air blower and just, just blow the dust off. 
Mm-hmm. And if it's really bad, they can buy another sign. <laughs> we, we could also just not raise the Community Preservation Act text. We could be flush. You know, I, I asked for that to make it pop a little bit, but I thought it was better to to have a little bit of a little oh, bit. That stands out better than than just having it flat. Oh yeah, no. I look, visually, it's very nice. It's a nice pop. Let's solve that problem when we get to it. How's that? <laughs> This comes with cleaning cleaning instructions. That's right. It comes with cleaning instructions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a separate well, that's Whoever the project liaison is cleans it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they don't apply for a grant to clean them. That's right. <laughs> don't provide maintenance. That's right. We're, no, we're not about maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Doug. I like it. Yeah, it's great. Okay. So um, the first one that goes up, Mike has to stand in front of it so we can take a picture of him. Mike Lewis. I'm telling you, it's the COVID, you know, 2020 look. I know. <laughs> Mike, you, you might become a meme, Mike, if you're not careful. <laughs> I know. It's almost hard to tell that you were not there that day. <laughs> the crop was really good. <laughs> no, it was, it was incredible. The crew was quite a good uh, cropping. <laughs> My son thanked you for uh, standing in front of a pretty blank background when you <laughs> took that picture. <laughs> so, um, well, if we have no other business, our next steps, our meeting is already, our meeting date is already determined for next month, which would be the second Thursday, I believe. Is that what we, yeah, the second Thursday. That's the eighth. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I want to make sure right. that, no, wait. Oh, wait, wait. I forgot. So we originally settled on the second Thursdays to be simple. And then we had the wrench thrown at us that the housing authority wanted to take the second Thursdays. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Um, so, <laughs> the <laughs> so I think we ended for, the, on for the record, I, I, I fought that change. I was fighting that change. <laughs> it was the chair who wants to change over there. Yeah, I had quite a lot of exchanges with her. She and I talked it out for a while. So um, I think what we landed on is that we're going to meet on the first Thursdays, except for November when we're going to meet on the first and second Thursdays. So public meetings. Um, yes, because November we'll have public meetings and we'll need two weeks. I'm just going to try to find the, the email where I put that in writing just to make sure that I'm not saying the wrong thing. Because I haven't moved it off my October 8th calendar date yet. I thought that I had put it in my calendar and I don't see it. So I just want to, that's why I want to make sure that I'm not making that up. I have the first. All right. So yeah, I have a list of dates going forward. October 1st. Oh yeah, I see it, yep. 
November 5th and November 12th, mm -hmm. December 3rd, and January 7th. So October 1st, I think is going to fall very quickly after the applications come in. We tried to give Danielle more time. Well, maybe Danielle and Molly and maybe Danielle and Molly and me. Um, time to get the applications uploaded and shared. But moving the dates around might have eliminated the time that we built in. Losing battery. Oh, oh, I think we're losing Mike. I'm looking for the application that has on the front page our timeline. September 24 is when the applications are due. So that gives one week to turn the applications around and share them with everyone. So um, with everyone's help and they're all supposed to be submitted electronically. So the committee could at least have whatever was submitted via the, uh, the smart sheets form and then attachments and things might have to be sent to everyone afterward. But we could just at least have whatever is available early in the week, um, if not over the weekend to prepare for that meeting. And the purpose of our discussion then is going to be to see whether there are major gaps and holes that we want to see them fill before the following meeting, the before their presentations in November. Mm -hmm. When is the October meeting? Is it the first? First. Yes. It's the first. The first. There's going to be really any time to even post the, to get, I have to get, review them all, get them all on an agenda. Yeah. Post the, because you can't even discuss them unless they've been gone through and put on an agenda. Um, I, yeah. That's a real tight one. That is. But they're not, I have to verify that they're complete. I don't want to. You know, just be compiling things and then have us discussing things and then finding out that the applications aren't so a possibility could be um i mean i i hate to just keep moving our meetings around that's why we tried to set meetings in advance um so the what if we did the first tuesday in october are people available on the sixth so the second Tuesday is the one that I had a conflict. I don't have a conflict on the sixth. I'm available. I'm fine with that. I'm available. Yeah, I don't have an issue on that day. Okay, so we'll see if um, Casey can hopefully also be available. So maybe we can move October to October 6th instead of the first.
So moved. <laughs> <laughs> so let it be written. So let it be done. And you are bad. <laughs> and I, I would, I, I'd be completely um, open to it if somebody wanted to organize a, a social wine meetup via zoom or not via zoom but outdoors and socially distanced <laughs> I, I nominate doug carr and me <laughs> to come up with something <laughs> we can I, all get rapid covid testing now and prove together and prove that we're negative <laughs> I, i've done a couple of these on the greenway in boston with my co-workers yeah um and they've been fantastic it's been a lot of fun you just sit in a circle Sit in a circle, six feet, feet apart, apart you whatever, know. 10 feet apart. Keep a mask on when you're not eating or drinking. It's all good, yeah. you know. No, it's, do it's it The Mystic River opposite the basketball courts at Duggar, at Duggar Park. So, like, mm -hmm. across Harvard Street from there. Yeah, there's plenty of great locations. We can just ask Mr. Kuno to recommend 30 of them from the, all the parks in there. <laughs> No alcohol drinking at public parks. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I have I have little covers that you know that look like coke cans, but they're not real. We're going back to high school here, Doug. Yeah. Have you not seen Medford meetings this week? It's it's junior high school. No kidding. Yes. We won't go there. Yeah. That's not we're being recorded, yeah. <laughs> All right. okay. I'm losing power here quickly. All right, so Mike. Do we have anything okay. else? Um, no, but we need to close the meeting. Uh, motion to close the meeting. No second. second. <laughs> Third. <laughs> we need All a roll call. Aye. 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 Bye. Aye. Bye. 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 Bye.